Good morning. So good to see you all. It is September. I love September. It's my birthday month, so y'all know I need to celebrate all month. Come on, September. September babies. Uh, yeah, so my name is Amber Field. Is a what I call myself a, maybe an OG member of uh, the Renaissance family. And when I am not here or when I'm not being a mom or a wife or running, I am working. I work at an organization that helps um, college students of color, first-generation college of students, get their first jobs. And um, if you were to look at my calendar for the week, I use Outlook or Google Calendar, you see the way that I organize my schedule has, I'm just back to back to back every day. And so that's just because that's how I like to make sure that I get my work done. So I'm running my, from my projects to meetings, projects to meetings. And so a couple weeks ago, I knew that I had my last call of the day at 4.15 which meant that I was going to take until 4.14 and 59 seconds to get this last project done. But you know what, though? I was up against a deadline, and I said, you know, if I hop on this call at 4.17, two minutes isn't that big of a deal. So I took those two minutes, and I was like, you know, it'll be okay. I haven't heard the ping yet that said someone's in my Zoom room. And so I kept going. And y'all, let me just like be real honest with you right up front. 4.27, I decide it is time for me to get on this call. And I realize, I'm like, I don't know if this person's still going to be there, but I, I, I go to the room and of course no one's there. And so I email her and I'm saying, I'm really sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. You know, are you still available? And I even found her text, uh, her, her cell phone number. And I said, hey, do you think that we could still connect? And this person was like, no, I have plans. <laughs> of course. And I said, you know what? Understood. And they were totally right, because I said that I would be somewhere at 4.15, and I wasn't there. And I think that maybe if you all allow yourselves, you would find that there are moments where you've done the same thing. And you don't have to admit it out loud, but I think we can all look at our lives and see moments where we say we'll do something, but we don't actually do it. And we think we have a really good reason, right? For me, in that moment, I was like, I just need to get this work done. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to be done. It was about what I needed to do. And maybe for you, you know, you promised that you were going to do the dishes after dinner to your roommate or your spouse but you just really needed to get to that TV show. You didn't want to miss it. Or maybe for you, you know, you've made plans to meet up after work or after class, but at the last minute, you're just really tired and you just want to go home and rest. So you cancel those plans. Or maybe, you know, for those of us who, you know, you say you're going to play a game with your child, but you just fall asleep again because you're tired. I know in the past when we've been in, um, in community groups or in this past spring with growth groups, it's real easy right before your meeting starts to say, oh, I, just, I just can't tonight. There's something else that I have to do. 
So all of those reasons in mind, all of those times when we say we're going to do something and we don't actually do them, we're going to look at a scripture today in James where he says, let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no. Because what he really wants us to get is that when we say that we'll do something, that we actually mean that we will do it. And I think we'll find that that sounds so easy, right? It's easy enough to say, hey, I said that I would be in a certain place, and I'm going to be there. But it, but it really sometimes isn't that simple, is it? And, and our question today is, why not? Why is it not so easy to follow through on our word? And I think that there's a couple reasons that maybe, maybe one of these resonates with you. You know, for some of us, it's just so easy to say something right up front and then plan to do something later. It's those moments where somebody, you connect with somebody, maybe you meet with them in the street corner, right? And they're like, oh, hey, don't you want to meet up later? Can we get together later? And what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, sure. I'll be there. Now, y'all know. In the back of your head, you're thinking, I have no intentions of getting together with you. But we're not going to say that. Could you imagine be like, no, I do not want to get together with you. <laughs> Awkward. It's uncomfortable. And that's not what we actually want to do in that moment. But how about this, though? How about it's much easier to say something that you're not actually going to do because you have found at some point in your life that it is just safer. Some of us have experienced the risk and the danger and the harm of actually telling the truth. And so the first thing that we think of to do is just to say whatever it is we can say to get someone off our backs. Or for some of us, pride gets in the way. Many of us struggle with self-doubt and this like burning need for affirmation from the people around us. And so what happens and what that looks like is like, yes, somebody comes to you and say, hey, do you think you could lead this meeting for me? And of course you're like, I can lead this meeting, but you don't actually think you can. And so in the end, you just back out of it. Or maybe you say yes because you don't want to let people down. You don't want people to think you're incompetent or incapable. So you're going to say yes right away. But really what you've done is overcommitted yourself and overstated your ability. And what happens in these situations and where we say one thing and do another is we are underestimating the cost of doing what we are not doing, what we say we'll do. But the truth is, family, that today we need to understand that our word matters. And our message is real simple. Do what you say you are going to do. And my hope is that whether you are new in faith and you're still trying to figure out who is Jesus and what does he want to do in my heart, or maybe you've just been with Jesus for a while now and you are mature in the faith, that we would understand that God is trustworthy, that God does what he says he will do. And then I hope for us, family, that we would understand that because God is trustworthy, it impacts our character, and we are too to be trustworthy. 
So our scripture comes from James. We know we're in this series, and we know that James is the give-it-to-us-straight apostle because he's incredibly practical. He speaks in a very straightforward way. His instruction is how we are to live like Christ. So let's take a look at the scripture that we're in today. We're in James chapter 5, verse 12. It says, above all, and he says this, by the way, because he's getting ready to close this letter, and he wants them to pay close attention to what he's about to say. He says, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall under judgment. So this scripture comes at a transition point in James's letter, which is what Jordan was talking about last week. He's just finished, James has just finished encouraging these early Christians. They are suffering at the hands of oppression, and he's telling them to be patient in their suffering. And I heard one teacher say it makes sense that James would include this verse right here at this moment because at times when we are suffering, we get incredibly desperate, and we say whatever we need to say to get out of that situation. You know when you say, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I will never, ever do X, Y, or C again? Well, he's saying that, and he's saying, listen, to these Christians who are desperate, they need relief, he's saying, stand firm, the Lord is near you. Don't start making promises that you can't follow through on. So here in this scripture, he's particularly talking about swearing, not cussing. He's talking about those moments when we say um, things like, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Which, by the way, you ever think about we said this as children? Where did, where, like, why? How did that come about that as kids we were like, stick a needle in my eye? But... In those moments, this is where it's like, on God, or on my mom, or Bible, right? That kind of swearing. This is what he's talking about. It's what we say when we want to prove to God or to other people that we're serious about what uh, what we say we'll do. And James is saying, don't swear. And he's saying that because, like, you shouldn't need extra fluff or padding on your word. Your yes should be enough if you are truly trustworthy. And it's something that Jesus talks about too. In fact, we're going to look at a scripture right now that says, that really shows that James is stating exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 through 37. Jesus said there, but I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. And I think what we're going to see that what James and and Jesus say and what they call out back then is incredibly relevant for us today. So we understand oaths, right? We, some of you have taken the Hippocratic Oath as as doctors, and some of you have promised to uh, tell the truth on the stand, and you've taken an oath then. 
And we get that when we take oaths in that way, it means we're going to be held accountable, that perhaps our freedom, our livelihood is on the line if we don't uphold those commitments. We get those oaths. But this is not what Jesus and James are talking about. Back then, what happened was people started giving layers to the seriousness of the promises that they were making because they wanted an out, a loophole. So again, we think back to your, your childhood years, and I know there's a few kids in the audience right now. Remember when you uh, cross your fingers behind your back when you make a promise? That is what they're describing, and that's what was happening right now. People were manipulating and deceiving each other by saying that, hey, look, this oath, if I don't swear on God or swear to God with this oath, then it's not binding. I don't actually have to follow through on it. And so what Jesus said, though, what he says is there are no loopholes. He said it doesn't matter what you swear by. It all falls under his authority. So you need to take your promises seriously. So that message, though, family, is it's a good call out for us today. Because I think if we look closely, we're, we shape-shift our words to fit our truths as well. Now, anytime you, uh, you want to hold out for something better, or you just actually have no intentions of following through, like that time when you're like, oh yeah, sure, we'll get together. I mean, how many times have you been in a conversation and somebody asks you to meet up, or you have to kind of commit to something, you're like, oh, oh we'll figure something out, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out right? That means you, you, most of the time we have no intentions of figuring anything out. It's just what I want to say in that moment. I think a lot of times we say things that we don't mean, that we have no intentions of following through on. And the, no matter what the reason is behind why you do that, the truth is, is that it is dishonest. But the problem is, is we think it's natural. I really don't think that, that we, as a, as a people, really think that uh, not doing what we say we'll do is that big of a deal. So think for yourselves. If you are a party planner, if you are an event planner, if you're a coordinator, those people who are organizing us to come to church every single day, even if you've been to a party recently, think about this. 50 people register for the event. How many people are coming? Right? If we think like 35 to 40 people actually show up, we're like, this was a good event. Right? We think like that was a great turnout. And don't let it rain. If it rains or if it snows, you're just going to cut that 50 right in half. Because people do not always, or we just don't think it's a big deal to follow through on what we say we're going to do. And we think it's, that's just how life works, right? But the truth is that fo not following through on our word is a big deal. It reflects our greatest struggle, family. Our sinful nature to do our own will, what we think is best for us, ourselves, without consideration for anyone else. 
And isn't that what happens when we back out of plans? And isn't that what not following through is about? Like when we change plans or we change our minds, it's because we have something else to do. I don't want to go. I am tired. I have something else to get done. And now we know there are legit reasons. We're in a season still of COVID, right? And so when you get a positive COVID test, that's going to shut all your plans down. So there are legitimate reasons why we can't follow through. But when we take an honest look at when we are not able to follow through on what we say we're going to do, it usually starts with I, me, myself. Isaiah 31 reminds us that we sin by doing our own will not God's will. What we want always comes first. And for many of us, it means that we don't keep our word, then so be it. But let's think about what it means to exist in a world where that's how we function. Proverbs 25:18 says, telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe wounding them with a sword, and shooting them with a sharp arrow. Harm is done. We harm each other when we aren't truthful. And if you look at your relationships, perhaps your romantic relationships, your friendships, work relationships. Now, I'm going to tell you all a story because we're family. And my mom is here, and, and she, she'll understand this. I love my father. He is amazing. And we have an incredible relationship that's grown over the years. But let me tell y'all something. He is notorious for not showing up and following through on the plans that he's made. And so it's gotten to the point where maybe even we laugh about it a little bit. We're like, I, I don't really believe he's coming somewhere until he actually shows up. And now I forgive him. I love him. It's a part of our relationship. But the truth is, is that I don't really know if our relationship is at the depth that it actually could be, because I'm not really sure he's going to be there. And I know for sure that our relationship has to fall short of God's design for how he would have it be between the two of us, because my guard is up. When we flake, when we don't show up or be where we say we're going to be, feelings of rejection come forth. Or maybe for you, you think about your job or your boss didn't follow through on that promotion or that raise that was promised, how that impacts your motivation. Or in the church, when we sign up for crew or we sign up for events and we don't show up and we think about the people who are there and the burnout that they might experience or the resentment that they might feel that they picked up where others were not available. Or maybe we think about the impact that not being honest with ourselves has on us. Because when we're not honest with ourselves, we then begin to... Um, believe lies about ourselves, and we forget what it is, what the Lord has said about who we are. I recently read something that said, truth-telling is essential for authentic communication and genuine interaction between people. And when it's not there, life becomes increasingly chaotic 
because the norm of honesty is breaking down. And so what James is doing here is summoning his audience to integrity through simplicity and straightforward conversation. He's saying, just let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Do what you say you will do. And here's why. God is trustworthy. We can look through the Bible. We can look through his word where he said he would bring the Israelites out of Egypt, and he did, where he said that he would protect Daniel's faithfulness in the lion den, and he did, where he cared for Naomi and Ruth in a time when they had nothing. He was there. The Bible is the story of God's trustworthiness. There is not one word that God has spoken that has not been good. Isaiah 55, 11, the word that comes from his mouth does not return void. So how does that change us, family? How does it change us to believe in a father whose word never returns void? To be a follower of Christ is to be trustworthy. And I like the way that one translation says at the beginning of 512, and since you know that he cares, let your language show it. James is saying that we are to be changed by our Father's trustworthiness. We know it's easier, it feels easier or safer or even perhaps not telling the whole truth gives us the affirmation we seek. But do you know what we have above all of that? We have God's truth. His word above all else brings the ease that we desire. It brings the safety that we need. It brings the affirmation. So we don't have to shape shift our words to fit the truth that we think. We have that in our Father. Because you know what God said? He said that he would carry our burdens, and he already did. And he said that he would save us so that we could be in relationship with him, and he already did. And while we were still sinners, he loved us, and he already does. And as an outpouring of his trustworthiness, we can be trustworthy with others. We can tell the truth. We can say exactly what we will do, and we will do it. So how? I want to leave us with four things that we can do to make sure we do what we say we will do. First thing I want us to do this week is to reflect. Ask yourselves, can my words be trusted? Even in my own experience in preparing for this word, I was fully convicted about the number of times my, mom, my kids would say, hey, mommy, can you come do it? I'd be like, yeah, 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 I'll come to you. Go do it later. So looking back over the past week for, your, for yourselves, to what extent have you done what you say you will do? If anybody were to ask your best friend or somebody that's closest to you, what would they say? Notice those moments that you say you'll do something and recognize whether or not you actually do it. And the second thing I want us to do this week is count the cost. Before you make a promise, just ask yourself, do I know what I'm promising to? 
problems occur when we say yes to things we don't fully understand or we don't want to do or that we actually cannot do. Here's an example. We know that DNA groups are starting soon, and we all get so excited. I have done life with people through my DNA groups and community groups from back in the day, and we want to be a part of that community. But let's think about that commitment and count the cost of saying yes. It's a cost to saying that you'll be there and not showing up. And, and I'll reflect on growth groups that we led in the spring. We asked for some feedback about how they went. And one of the number one things that our community said was that people didn't show up. And some groups struggled to thrive. When you want to be in a place and be vulnerable and build trust and be honest about who you are and what you need, but you can't be sure that people are going to be there for you, It has an impact. So ask yourself, can I commit? And if the answer is yes, let your yes be yes. But if you're no, then say no with truth and grace. And I'll be honest, some of us have to practice this, right? We need to stand in front of the mirror this week and we need to say, thank you for asking. In this case, the answer is no. <laughs> You have to do that, and it is okay. You know, in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, real quickly, it just says, It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. And so, with that said, honor your commitments. The truth is, sometimes we just can't do what we said we would do. And in that case, tell the truth. There's a story in 2 Corinthians where Paul, well, he wrote a letter, right? He had plans to visit Corinth, but he had to change his mind because it wasn't good timing for any of them for him to actually visit. And so he wrote this letter and told them the truth about why he wouldn't be there. And so I ask us, can we do the same thing this week? In those moments when we cannot do what we say that we're going to do, can we honor the person and the relationship with the truth as soon as we know it? So, family, we just need to be people of our word. And the truth is, without integrity, there's judgment. But we can walk towards forgiveness in our integrity because his mercies are new every morning. So here's what I ask us all that last time that you said you were going to do something that you didn't actually do, let that be the last time. You signed up for DNA groups, you're going to show up all eight sessions. And you signed up for prayer team or crew, you're going to show up to prayer team or crew next week, just like you signed up and said that you would. Be a person whose yes is yes. Like Paul, let's conduct ourselves with integrity, with godly sincerity. We don't rely on worldly wisdom or self interest. But let us rely on God's grace. Let me pray for us. Jesus, help me to be a person who keeps our promises. Help us 
to be people like you who keep our promises and take our commitment seriously, Lord. You make it so simple. You do exactly what you say. Let our yes be yes and let our no be no. Let us reflect the love and the relationships and the honesty and the trust that you so desire for every single one of our relationships, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.